morning. Woo-hoo. Happy Monday, beautiful people. I'm Babs Ross. Welcome to Love Babs Love Talk. Uh, I know y'all are going to be hella disappointed, but there is no word on the street this morning because Paul Bass has other commitments. <laughs> he, he's chasing down these stories. He's on a hot assignment. So tomorrow, tomorrow, rest assured tomorrow. And uh, once again, thank you to the fans that come up to me in all the spaces and places out here in these streets to tell me that they listen every morning. I appreciate you. Thank you. Let me tell you something. I really mean it. When you come up to me and say, you know what? I listen to you in the mornings. I am flattered because when I sit behind this mic, I just think I'm talking to Harry. <laughs> and and the two or three Russians <laughs> and North Koreans that tune in periodically. <laughs> but uh, I don't want to leave out our friends far and wide because we do have some global listeners. So high five to my global listeners. Thank you. So we'll see what we'll see how it go down for Marrakesh. Uh, I'm not I'm not gonna do any, I'm not working for Marrakesh. But I might, I might pop in and do a live stream or something because it's just going to be too good not to. So anyway, uh, DiasporaCon this weekend was good. I'm telling you, every time I go to DiasporaCon, you know that the 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 graphic comic con, con thing that that uh, Ife and her team does, I I am all I learn something new all the time, and I never get tired of listening to Doctor Professor Forrester. Never, 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 never. Because he is a ball of energy. And I could just have him come on and just turn the show over to him all day. Just like, hey, talk about what you want to talk about. So he found a way to marry uh, African-American history, African history, African-American history to graphic novels and comic books. And it was just, it was such a lively, entertaining conversation. He reminds me of all the um, teachers I had going to an HBCU. He just reminds me of all the teachers that I had in college who just love Black people, love being around Black people. Do you know what it's like when you're around people who love Black people? Do you know what I mean? I want to be one of those people. I want people to know that when I'm in space with them, I love them. That, that's that's really my goal. I don't have no other goal. That when I'm in space with people, I want them to know that I love them. And I, I that's that, that just occurred to me. I'm going to work on that. So when I'm in these spaces, I want people to know I, I love them. Not that I care, not that I'm concerned, because I'm all those things. But I want people to know that I absolutely love them. That, that'll that make my life better, I think. So anyway, so uh, DiasporaCon was everything. And let me tell you, I love watching the Black nerd conversation. I loved it. And I understand, and you know, the way they broke it down with such... Um, with such realness about why they call themselves black nerves, because every other space is not black. And so saying putting black in front of it is like putting up a, a, a beacon. It's like lighting the lighthouse so that others can find. Because sometimes we trip into these spaces, we fall into spaces and we're the only or the other, right? But when we have our own spaces with other blackness, then we we we're not alone in this game. So anyway. DiasporaCon, and next year is going to be a Southern, which I think, no shade to Quinnipiac, which I love Quinnipiac, beautiful, beautiful space, but it's not, it's not user-friendly. It's not accessible to the masses. 
and but it's beautiful. And they got one of the most beautiful Frederick Douglass statues ever it right there in the law school atrium. Oh, it is stunning. I take a picture this time because every time I'm there, I'm always taking pictures of it. So I got like eight gazillion pictures. So I didn't feel like I needed to take any more. So, uh, so yeah, so Dasmercon was a show enough hit. I, I just enjoyed it. I just enjoy it. I just learned so much. And to see kids and young people and to see black people talking about how to storyboard and how to create your own character. It was great. I enjoyed it. I always enjoy it though. And, and I bought some earrings. Who goes to a a diaspora a, 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 a con and buys earrings? Well, I do. So I got them from uh, uh, Pearl Studio in New Haven. Here's, here's her card. So if you, if you want to check her out. But these are so light and they're done from recycled materials. Now, all of us could do this, right? If we put our mind to it. But I don't want to. So... <laughs> I prefer to I prefer to spend the ten dollars and buy them from her. I probably could make these. I mean, I know how to make jewelry. I just don't want to. Do you know what I mean? Like everything. I don't want to. I know how to make soy milk. I don't want to make soy milk. I know how to make almond milk. I don't want to make almond milk. I just want to go to the store and pick it up. Same thing with jewelry. I love jewelry. I don't want to make jewelry. I thought I wanted to make jewelry. I made jewelry. Now I just like buying jewelry. These are these are. I might put these on today. They match. These might be my earrings for today. I might take off the ones I have on and put these on because they're so pretty. So I bought I bought these and then I bought these because I'm a girl that loves a gold, right? So these are, aren't these pretty? And they're light. And you know, for somebody who loves a real dangle earring and I'm that girl, I love a long dangle earring. Um, sometimes it just, you know, you, it's like wearing stilettos. An hour will get you, you know, an hour will do you. But these, I could just wear these all day. They blow in the wind. They're light. They're dangly. They're pretty. This is just what I would like. This, this is my kind of hype right here. My kind of hype. So I bought, I bought the two that I like. Anyway, so uh, Pearl Studio. Pearl Studio in New Haven. Uh, Alexandra Novak Foster. She, she, she had some pretty stuff. And, you know, she had all the stuff that suited the comic book crowd, too. You know, I, I didn't really know too much about that. So I was like, ah, I could wear them. But, you know, these are the ones that I picked. I love them. So Daspercon was a hit. Next up is Elm City Lit Fest in September, which I'm looking forward to. Because um, that's going to be my jam. Um, let's see. Uh, what else is going on? So I took I took another uh, practice LSAT. Let's have a moment of silence. And then I get right back on the damn horse and keep riding. I mean, it's, it's you know, I, I sit for the LSAT in June. We are, we are in testing mode now, learning testing mode. I think I'm getting good at this. At least I'm thinking about this in all the right ways. Uh, it's hard. It's just, it's just a lift. And that's just what it is. And the more you slot through it, the better you get at it. That's, that's it. I, I don't, there's no... I, I don't know. I have a score in mind. I'm going to try to get there. But listen, I have to believe that my L score can't be the make or break thing that gets me into anybody's law school. I, I just refuse to believe it. So I just, I, it's the LSAT is a necessary fence I got to jump over. I got other stuff that I think is extraordinarily good that they will be like, I want this chick in my law school. Somebody's got to say that. And I'm hoping somebody will. 
I'm hoping that there's enough people in town who'll be like, listen, get Babs into law school. She's smart. She's talented. She'll bring a lot to them babies and, and, and hire, get her, get her in, get her through, you know, and I'll do the work. I'm up for the work. I'm up. I'm up for the work. I'm up for it. So I'm looking forward to it. That's all I'm going to say. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. You know, I'm I'm looking forward to it. So, and then yesterday I was at the symphony at the New Haven Symphony. It was the, it was the, uh, the last round of the American Idol. Let's find us a new maestro. <laughs> and uh, and this cat who they had up there, uh, I think it's Blahey. Uh, Lucy Lucy Gelman has a wonderful article up. She actually met with him, sat down, and had a good conversation. But let me tell you something. Let me tell you about this cat. Let me tell you why I liked him. Let me tell you why I liked the first cat. The first cat I liked it because he understood something about community. And then you know the lady, and then the other little guy who was like like a dancer up there. Uh, but this guy last night, uh, he was. Uh, he, he he has the right mind. Do you know what I mean? Like he has the right mind about uh, uh, where this orchestra is trying to go, and uh, and you could see it. And he he to me is the right choice. Now I don't got no dog in this fight, you know. But if they ask me, <laughs> if they ask me my opinion, I'm gonna give it to him, even though it might be uh it might be a. Uh, it might be unsolicited. James Blahey, James Blatchley. Is it Blatchley? Blatchley. James. I think he's the one. I honestly God think he's the one. You know why? Because he took the time to bring us to school around the music that we were listening to. You know, the music that we were listening to and, and the story behind it. And, you know, I love the symphony. No one can argue that I don't love the symphony. I do. I go, I've been going to the symphony since my kids were little and I was bringing them to family night for free. So that's how much I love the symphony. All that live music is just unbelievable. But when he talked about William Levi Dawson's Negro Folk Symphony and then um, Jesse Montgomery's Soul Force, which he commissioned in 2014, and then he threw it threw in the Ludwig, the, the Beethoven violin concerto with Simone Porter. Let me tell you something. He understood the audience. He understood that I have to bring people up. I got to satisfy the existing folks who like this music. And I want to be innovative toward the future. He ticked all the box for me. All of them. All of them. And I, I, I think he would be, and, and, and he's good looking. So that, that part, um, it, it was, it was good. I, I did not know the work of, um, um, uh, William Levi Dawson. See, this is why these things are so important, um, uh, because they could fall to obscurity if somebody doesn't say, and I don't give a damn who it is. If, if you care enough to elevate and resurrect it, then you on the team. So to to bring us to the moment of where we we are we are reckoning with race and 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 uh, 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 injustice and all of that to to 
to fully step into the place where, listen, when he said William Levi Dawson is probably one of the finest composers that ever lived, you know, and you can read between the lines, had it not been for racism, white supremacy, and all the other stuff, he would have been right up there with the other greats. Anyway, it was the Negro folks. If you've not listened to it, you can go listen to it. Lucy Gelman put all the links to, to the concerts, different concerts uh, in the in her piece at the arts paper, up on the arts paper uh, site. So take take a listen. It is it is quite uh I, I was just moved by it. And uh, I'm glad I was in the in the house last night to hear it. Seriously. You know, these moments, there's there's always these moments of of just when you know you're in that moment of this is something. This is this is of historical proportions. This is grandness. This is greatness. Last night was that night. Um, so I, I'm going to let Elaine Carroll know my thoughts. If she's not listening this morning, and she probably is not, uh, that's my choice. <laughs> but I'm going to send them a note. Because <laughs> I, I love these American Idol S. Uh, 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 performances. I guess if you are a maestro, how else are they going to know if you could do it unless you do it? <laughs> and they're like, here, take our orchestra, do what you want. <laughs> Compose something. Pull together some, curate something and then play for our audience. I, that, listen, you talk about you talk about a job description. You talk about a job interview. And you got to be here a week, right? So you got to make your rounds. You got to talk to people. You got to meet up with people. You know, I'm glad they didn't let me meet any of these people. Because I I I I I don't want to meet them. I just want to see what they do and then have an opinion. <laughs> and baby, I have an opinion. So so that was that was worth that was worth everything. It really was worth everything. I I enjoyed that immensely. So uh, also you know last week I was at the uh, I was at a uh, reimagining uh, uh, safety at Wesleyan with Kalila Kalila Dean who was uh, the moderator for the panel. And it was an interesting mix of a panel of philanthropy and uh, community community orgs and, uh, and other interested parties around this table uh, talking about public safety and, and, and uh, redefining, uh, just reimagining what that looks like, asking real questions about what is public safety. We, when we know public safety, for some people, public safety might mean more, more police on the street. But for the majority of people, particularly people of color, that's not what that means. <laughs> and so when we talk about defunding the police departments, no one is saying, well, maybe some are saying disband police departments because we have seen over the last couple of years, since, uh, you know, we, we have seen uh, uh, steadily and historically that their whole police departments that are corrupt as hell and, and are, are banned together under this idea that we're just going to kill white black people, that we're just going to bring harm and havoc to black people. That and that seems to be. And listen, y'all can push back on me all you want, but the 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 Department of Justice has already identified uh, uh, police departments around this country that are suspect. So I'm not I'm not making this up to make it seem like the plight of black people is legit. The plight of black people in this country is legit. So what I'm saying is. Um, 
What I'm saying is when we imagine when we reimagine public safety, that's a real thing. And when you invite community and other interested stakeholders and potential stakeholders to the conversation, the definition expands and widens of what public safety is. And then we realize we start, at least in my estimation, I'm hoping that we realize that public safety is what links us all together. You just can't put a wall up around your stuff and think, well, I'm safe. And then everybody else on the other side of the wall, let them fend for themselves. Yale and, and, and my Orthodox Jewish brothers and sisters and, and all the people who like to build fences around stuff <laughs> because they think they're keeping something out. Well, what you're doing is you're keeping stuff in. That's not safety. It's a false sense. It's illusionary safety. Because you know, crime can scale a fence. And how you know you're not walling in people who could commit crimes? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying. And no shade to, to any of the things. I get it. You know, listen, fences go way back. You know, you can't have a, you couldn't be a medieval kingdom without a good fence around you. <laughs> That's the first line of defense. I get it. I get it. You know, but but then there are fences that we build around our uh, around communities that that are not brick and mortar that are, you know, cutting off access to resources. That's a fence that hems people in of some sort. Do you know what I mean? So so I, I, as I said to the to the group in my remarks, um, that it's good that we have these conversations, that we should keep having these conversations about reimagining public safety. Uh, because it is an ever-changing thing that links us all. We all have a stake in how we are safe with one another in these spaces, in these streets. That, I mean, and 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 places, you know. And and how do we how do we how do we make those connections and hold those things sacred so that we are all benefiting um, from being in safe spaces? So so that was up at Wesleyan. Um, and it was wonderful to be gathered with people thinking about these things. Man, if I had a little bit of money, I would create a think tank in New Haven. I would create a think tank and I would bring some of the great, the best thinkers I know around town and just and just be in the space and about wrestling with these issues. Because I think, you know, what happens is, uh, particularly, and, you, and I see this very well in a city like New Haven because New Haven is such a... Uh, 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 you can get in any part of the city and have a difference and disrupt systems. So you can do that. What what I what I what what I love about what I what I would love to see is if we could have a think tank of people sitting around, you know, really getting to the heart of this academically, community-wise, you know, and just like just just wrestling with these overarching issues you know from anything from where the hell do we put playgrounds and who gets a good playground and why are all playgrounds integrated and how much does it cost and blah blah wrestle with stuff why 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 do we have so many absentee landlords wrestle with these things you know because oftentimes what i see happening is and you could see it very clearly in a city like this that we wrestle with these issues on the way to solution and so sometimes things don't get properly discussed uh, in the public square. It, it is always reactionary to policy, right? Like we don't get together and say, how are we going? And not, not that mess that this, this 
this mediocre mayor does. Let's have a town meeting when all he really wants to just show is that, oh, I'm having a town meeting. Look, look at me be successful as a mayor. Not that, not that performative foolishness. I don't mean that. I mean, honest to God, you know, like a, a Chuck Allen back in the day wrestled with some issues. <laughs> I need a Chuck Allen's think tank. That's what I need. Y'all remember Chuck Allen? Some of y'all don't. Chuck Allen is one of the smartest little black men I've ever met in my entire life. Shady as hell, but smart as all get out. And he could wrestle with these issues on a dime. I love that about him. Love, 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 love. I would love to just bring some people in a think tank and just, see, this is why money, this is why, this is why I need money. This is why I need to be rich. <laughs> Or somebody rich, give me some money to let me do all the things that I think are necessary. Because if we could have a think tank and wrestle with these issues and then just put out some papers. And 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 I know there's some folks on that campus at Yale campus that are doing just this, right? They put out papers, they make, you know, but but those are academics who are trying to like get the tenure and putting books out there. Not not saying they don't care about stuff, but you know, that's a that's a different kind of track. I'm talking about bring some of them over here to this table and have a conversation where they don't got nothing to lose or gain except bringing their intellectual capital to the table. And then me and then and then marry it to the folks in the community, you know, not the ones who are screaming and shouting, but the ones who are like, I really would like to wrestle with this, you know. And just think about it. I, I don't think we have enough time to to do proper discernment and be contemplative about these issues because it takes time to do that. And, and, and we have to be about the business of doing things because some things are on fire. We got to put the fires out. So there's no time to contemplate what the fire is or how the fire got started while the fire is happening. <laughs> you might be able to do it when you put the fire out, but any good firefighter will tell you, all right, we got a whole team that will go back in and figure out how this got started or whatever, whatever. Not every firefighter is going to be on that duty. Do you see what I'm saying? There's going to be just some who will work on figuring out how the fire got started, what was the accelerant, blah, 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 blah. And then they come back and say, this is how it started. But by that time, they done, done firefighter fires and moved on to 8,000 other fires. <laughs> It's like, we cannot spend our time doing this. We have a whole team for that. Same with the think tank. A, a same kind of things that we could really think about and, and make it New Haven specific. What is happening in New Haven where this, 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 if we did this, 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 and we could, we could sit around a table over a long period of time and strategize about the implications of the decisions that we're making on the behalf of this city. Another thing that is bothering me that came out of the, the reimagining public safety is this notion of, you know, we have so many people who are registered to vote in this city, but only 8,000 8, people vote, just about 8,000 people vote. So that means 8,000 people control the destiny of this city at any given election. And so when you put that out there like that, it's quite sobering. And if you tell people that, like what would happen if we start telling people, you know, when you don't vote, 8,000 of your neighbors vote across the city and they get to decide what happens in your everyday practical life. So you not voting just allows other people to make decisions about what happens to you in this city. When you have a voice that could 
be about this city. 8,000 people, about 8,000 people vote. It's outrageous. And so when you think about that, you've got to have pause. And I, why, why is that so? What is it? You know, we, we've gone from fighting for the right to vote and we're still fighting to tr- now we have to wrestle with apathy about the right to vote, that people are disenfranchised about the right to vote, that people feel some kind of way about the right to vote, that people don't feel like they're being heard. <sighs> Interesting. It's a lot to... Uh, Uh, it's a lot to uh, it's a lot to think about. It is a lot to think about. But I think we I think we we do well to have the time to think about them. You know, and uh, I just feel like, and I and I, I I would like to see a think tank come together to think talk about it, and and not be so quick to get to a solution, but to look at. How do we get his, historically? Like plot it out in real life. How did we get here? This is what has, and the truth and crouch it all in the truth. No matter who it shames, no matter whose heart is broken, plot it out. This is what happened. This is why we are here. And then let's dream the biggest dream about how do we move forward? That's what, what could we possibly do? To, to elevate the lives of the people in this city? What can we do? What, where's the magic in that? How, how do we do that? You know, it requires imagination. And I dare say so many people have little imagination. I think this is why I'm so so uh, rooted in artistic expression these days, because I, I appreciate the magic and the creativity and the imagination that comes with that. To, to apply that to any problem, to apply that to any problem. And I think that's what's missing in government. You know, I, I really do. I think that's what's missing in government uh, all the time, a level of creativity and excitement and magic and wonderment. And, and you know, and, and it's a shame. It is a shame. And it's too bad that we don't have a, a leadership that could inspire that, that could inspire. You know, because once you have leadership that imagine, imagine, imagine if you if you had a mayor who who went and pitched a tent at the tent city with the homeless people living there. Imagine that. Imagine. Imagine if you had a a, a mayor that that went to schools and had lunch with kids at uh, all the time and listened to them, listen to them and talk to them. Imagine that. Imagine. If you had a mayor who sat in the teacher's lounge and kicked it with teachers and said, all right, what's your day like? Tell me what your day is like. You know, imagine if we had a mayor who who would uh, talk to developers and said, listen, I know you don't need our money. I know you don't need our tax breaks, but let me appeal to you in a humanity sense. And let me tell you my vision for this city. And I want you to buy into this vision of the city. And I want you, when you when you come to develop, you come with the mindset of what we here believe is what we want in our city. Imagine if we had a mayor that could do that, right? Imagine if we had a mayor who could sit with the with the with one of the best legal, one of the best universities in the world and say, listen, we got shared destiny here. Shared destiny. We want we we know that you you 
you've got a whole institution that you need to train up young, bright minds through into the future. And 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 you you're hiring so many of the people that live and invested in the city. You know, what else can we do? What else can we imagine that we could do as a town gown relationships? Imagine if we had a mayor that would inspire a police department, uh, the leadership of the police department to say, listen, we want to do policing differently. We want to, to remove fear and trepidation. We want to, to have police officers come home safely as well as community people be home safely. Imagine, imagine, imagine that. Imagine that we had a mayor that, that said, well, listen, we already have Adrian Jefferson who is doing amazing work. So that, that, that's a plus right there, who says, listen, there's all kinds of ways to think about art and artistic expression in the city. And, and this is our commitment to it. So Adrian Jefferson is a, is, a, is a step in the right direction, but everything else, imagine. Imagine if we had people running for office who had that kind of sense of, of I'm not just trying to get your vote. This is what I believe. Imagine there's no heaven. <laughs> there's a whole song about it <laughs> there's a there's a whole song about it a whole prolific song that's that's, that's where i'm at i'm i'm just i'm just feeling you know that we that we have got to get to higher ground you're gonna play stevie wonder's high ground next we got to get to high ground and i just feel like we're slogging through which is not a bad I, I, it's necessary. A slog through is necessary. It's it's necessary. Waiting in the muck and mire necessary. Necessary. Because at some point we we are going to climb up out of it, you know, and uh, and 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 climb up out of it. We will, you know. I, you you see you see these little moments of of light, you know. You see these little bit of moments of of light. And and you're just like, wow, do you know what I mean? It's amazing, you know. And 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 if you look between all the death and destruction and chaos and and all the things that hurt and all the things that bring us down, when you look when you look through that, you know, you see little pockets of of light and liberation. But you you got to but you got to be trained to sort of see it. You know what I mean? You've got to be trained to sort of look, you know, any, I mean, it's easy to be like, oh, oh, you know, this is terrible and this and this and this. It is, it is very easy. That's, that's not even hard work to, to be caught up in the muck and mire of things. That's, that's easy. You know, we all could get on the bandwagon of, oh, everything is going to hell in a handbasket. <laughs> and Okay, and, and you know, because when you make those kinds of statements, people think that like that's the rock and that's where it lands. All right, so so so, what do you want? You want to be right? Because because you're just standing on that rock saying, "Well, this is a mess." 
Oh, all right. So what are you, are you rolling up your sleeves? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> what what are you doing? And everybody's got a part to play, right? Everybody's got everybody's got their part to play in in how to make the world better. And and it's usually uh out of personal dissatisfaction, personal uh uh tragedy, personal whatever, you know, or just or just, huh. I want this for everybody. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? That's that's why I love about this city so much. Is that, uh, and I say this all the time. People heard me say this. You can have an idea. You can go stand on the corner somewhere on the green and say, you know, I have an idea for a thing. And 50 million people will come find you. It's like, you know what? I like that idea. I want to help it. <laughs> that's the beauty of this city. I don't know if they do this anywhere else. But in this city, that's the kind of ingenuity that exists, that people are willing to sort of step in and help you. And they don't care if it's an impossible dream. They don't even care. They're just like, oh, I like this idea. Let me help. Oh, let, let me help you raise some money. Let me go ask this person over here because I think they might be interested in this. <laughs> That's what I love about this city. I'm not kidding you. It's one of the things that I love about this city. You know, and I get it. You know, there are people in this city who are not connected to the city because they live they live uh, 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 in, in in its own underbelly. It live, they live, it live, they live in their own live in its own underbelly. So, so when people say like, "Oh, there are two New Havens," I dare say there's several New Havens. There are several New Havens. There's the Fair Haven New Haven, and all all the diversity that exists over there. You know, uh, there's the Hill New Haven with all the diversity that that exists over here. That's the Newhallville New Haven with all the diversity that exists over here. There's the East Rock New Haven. There's the Westville New Haven. There's the Goatville New Haven. So New Haven is, is, is uh, but out of many, I'm gonna borrow from the Jamaicans. Out of many comes one. I'm borrowing from my Jamaican sisters and brothers, a many one. And that that really is the epitome of New Haven. Um, and, and, if you, and, if you're, and if you're careful, You'll miss it. <laughs> you have to be, you have to sort of be willing to say, I want to know something about all the New Havens. See, that's what I need a mayor to do. I want, I want a mayor that that is wanting to be about all the New Havens and not stand up there talking about, we're just one New Haven. We're not. And that's insulting. We're not. We are many New Haven and, and, and lift that up. Oh. Yeah. I don't know. I just want so much for this city. I want, I want so much. And you, you could see we're sitting so in a sweet spot where, you know, uh, all, all the development that is happening, all the artistic expression that is happening, all the things that are happening that it could, it could, it could, it could have a, a, a wider reach. And then and 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 we could bring everybody along, you know. We could bring everybody along. And so I I, you know, I I I think about that. I think about that uh a great deal. So uh, you know, I, I've lived all over the city pretty much. Um and uh I I know I know it's sweet spots, I know it's ugly spots, I know it's I know it's questionable and troublesome past 
uh, I, I, I'm excited about its possible futures. <laughs> uh, yeah, so just imagine. I imagine a New Haven uh, for everyone. And we got to get there, you know, we have to get there. But in the meantime, uh, guess what I got coming on at uh, 10? I'm delighted. Uh, you know, he is an uh, uh, Emmy-nominated choreographer and director, uh, Jeffrey Page. Right now, he is uh, holding it down at Westport uh, uh, Country Playhouse uh, with Ain't Misbehaving. Ain't Misbehaving! Saving all my love for you. Um, and uh, it's it's running uh, now until... I don't know, a couple of weeks from now. Uh, but I, I'm excited to to talk to him uh, because uh, he is quite an interesting person. And uh, I'm looking forward to uh, you know, hearing about his thoughts around... Uh, oh, that's right. Yeah, he was nominated for Creative Arts Emmy for Outstanding Choreography. Um, so I'm, I'm just looking forward to uh, having a conversation with him. And about eight misbehaving and uh, and being a director and being a choreographer and being a cultural anthropologist, you know, I, I want to know about about him and uh, and uh, all the kinds of things. I mean, he's he's done uh, 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 all kinds of stuff with you know with Mariah Carey and Beyonce and you know, so. I I want to I want to talk to him, so I think it's going to be a great conversation. So anyway, that's at ten fifteen. You know how I love to talk with people, uh, and so you know Westport is just a hop up the road. So don't you know it's not it's like it's not like going to New York. Uh, it's just a hop up the road, hop in your car. If you go early enough, you could eat dinner in Westport. You know and be like ooh 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 foo foo foo. You know so. So he's coming out of 1015. We'll we'll have a good conversation. And if you've never been to Westport Playhouse, this is a good opportunity to go. It's a good space. I like it. So hey Harry. Hey Babs, how you doing? I'm good. Is that a blue shirt? <laughs> you well, yeah, it looks purple on the screen, but it's oh, okay. Blue. All right. It's okay. very blue, as a matter of fact. I know. I've never, I don't think I've ever seen you in that before. So how you doing? Listen. Good. I mean, I, I, I hear you imagining. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, imagine this, Baz. I was listening to a uh, <coughs> a scientist this weekend talking about how the moon is drifting away from the Earth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what is that going to do for us, Harry? Well, Are you we know, all I mean, going to die now? <laughs> I mean, the moon controls, you know, the the water and the water, yeah, the sea and you know the current, everything. So it it actually affects us greatly. But <laughs> it's interesting how our day is getting longer on Earth because of the moons. The closer it is, the shorter the day is. Mm -hmm. So as it drifts away, our days are going to get longer. Um, they, they don't feel any longer to me. They actually they. At this age, my days are like half a day. It's just. Well, it's not drifting fast, right? Like it's a slow drift. 
I think it's it 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 um at one point I think 1.5 billion years ago the moon was actually so close that our days on Earth were 18 hour days. Oh, okay. So now we're at 24, but it's continuing to drift. Um, and and there's also something in space that's um well that either they won't tell us or they can't put their finger on, but there's another there's a mass that's also affecting um our solar system. So they don't know if something is gonna appear out of somewhere, but um <laughs> which is always interesting, right? <laughs> you never know when something's gonna appear. I hope it's not that uh that thing that killed the dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> Harry is bringing the antithesis to my imagination. Imagine. <laughs> imagine, imagine we all die. Oh, oh, and now with the with um <laughs> AI, right? With artificial intelligence. Oh, Harry, this AI stuff is out of hand. Well, it's not only out of hand. Now they actually created an algorithm where they are picking up um signals from space. I don't so, know if I could trust AI. I don't well, know. well, that's the thing, right? AI also is learning how to lie to us. Well, that's what I mean, Harry. I, I'm I'm feeling like AI is like I'm gonna just tell these humans any damn thing I want. <laughs> I know, right? They're stupid. <laughs> AI is gonna tell us ET is coming and just you know, punk us. You know, when when we run around like our hands on fire, say psyched. You know, <laughs> yeah, I don't trust AI either. Nobody trusts AI. Which is interesting, right? So you had Elon Musk actually invest in chat GPT and then get out of it because, you know, it's dangerous. But now he's he's out there again warning us, but now he's making the biggest investment in AI. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. So now he's he's starting the biggest AI. He's doing the biggest AI investment. Because he wants to con- try to control AI, which is not going to happen. It's going to be the end of all of us. <laughs> AI, AI is just going to finish us. It's going to, I mean, we could actually do the work for AI, right? Right back to we've said the biggest problem on earth is human beings. It is. So, well, listen, you Harry, go. you see AI is taking over the record industry. You know, Every, they, they, <laughs> they're making these records with, Rihanna and Beyonce songs. And Beyonce right. and Rihanna's like, hey, I can make this. <laughs> <laughs> well, right. And they had a picture of the Pope in a bubble jacket. And everybody was like, oh, wow, the Pope is dressing. No, that was an AI pick. Yeah. So the Pope was like, no, I, that wasn't me. Harry, they're going to start putting you in, showing us in Robin Banks and be like, I'll have to sort oh. of, I'll have to sort of, fight my way like that was not me <laughs> well a couple of weeks ago then I, I read an article on your show about it was ready to replace ai told us it was asked and it, it could now replace 46 million people <laughs> 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 to work for us so look out i mean they, they're coming yeah so you you worried about people coming across the border no it's these gadgets in your house and and then also you have you could input info and ask it write me a New York Times article from this info, and it will write you an article like if it was written by the New York Times. 
works. I know. Well, the, you know, they've got some software that can detect it because it, it the AI has not perfected it. It does a good job, Harry, but it still has some glitches. But uh, how long do you think it's going to take before it'll be difficult? This no, is what no. I need AI, I, AI to do. Put $15,000 I mean, I mean, in now, my bank account. Now reporters could just, you know, do their job remotely, right? They just pluck a couple of you know, things off the internet or pictures that they see from another news source and then just say, write it in my format and it'll write it in your format. I mean, it's like... This is what I need AI to do. Raise my credit score. <laughs> like, do some good in the world. <laughs> I'm like, why can't it do some good in the world, Harry? Why it always got to be harm? You know, you know raise my credit score. Clear my debt. <laughs> Who's to say that, you know, it won't do that eventually? Say, you know, this will benefit and just zero out people's balances, right? Yeah. That's because gonna be a scary day. It is. It is. And 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 if AI can control a lot of what it's already controlling, and another thing is you're gonna trust it with running your cars. I, I'm gonna as long as I could drive, I'm gonna man drive me too, Harry. I don't I know how to parallel park. <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna <laughs> let my car do anything. As long as I can drive, Harry, I'm driving. Uh 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 I don't want nothing. No Jose. No. Yeah. No, no, I mean no. it's 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 pretty it's pretty scary out there. I mean that's why when they said, Oh, let's take a six month pause. Are you guys joking with us? Six months isn't going to do They already surpassed us. Yeah. Six months yeah. isn't going to do anything. So your, your boy Elon is launching his big giant spaceship today. Did it launch? I saw that he's is, is actually going to. Isn't it today? today yeah, today? it's going to. That, that rocket is going to go around the Earth. Well, it depends. Around the Earth or a flat Earth, you just fly right across. It, it all depends. <laughs> You know, because the idea is to create shuttle to the moon, so people could go to yeah, the moon, to the moon, I, and then I eventually Mars. I, yeah, I don't, I don't. I mean, I, you know, I'm willing to take that flight, Babs. Really? I'll volunteer because because it, you know, there's a reason why this is being done. I'm sorry, Harry. You won't let AI run your house, but you're gonna go get on a ship by a man who's a nutcase. Well, here's the thing, right? That nutcase <laughs> may be ready. May, he may be the new Noah. Oh! Building that ark that we need to get on and get out. Harry, do you honestly think we'd be able to get anywhere near that ark? No. <laughs> but that's why I'll volunteer. <laughs> that's why I'll volunteer to, to be part of the process. <laughs> I was like, I'll volunteer. <laughs> yeah. Are they gonna actually go? Uh, yeah, Harry. Yo, yeah, this guy's important. Let's take him with us. No. <laughs> uh, okay, Harry. I don't know. I mean, I you know I love technology. I love space exploration. I, I don't know about this though. I, but there's nothing I could do about. Like it's not stopping. You know, it's it's already out the gate. Like when you got that kind of money, Harry, you can do whatever you want. Pretty much. There's no no reason why you can't build a rocket. You know, so well see, here's the thing, it's gonna be sold to us like it's like a convenience. Yeah. Right? 
Like Disney. Yeah. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. I like that comparison. <laughs> I mean, like Disney. <laughs> you know you want to do it. And yeah, it'll so- be out of reach for most people, you know. Well, here's the thing. They're gonna they're gonna make it so easy. It's gonna eventually come become a government program. It's gonna be like, you know, he, this is here to assist us and everything, and then it'll eventually take over. But I mean, that's what we want. A lot you you have a lot of people investing in becoming hybrid humans, you know? No, I'm not doing so, that either. <laughs> Baz, you're not ready to download your personality no. into a machine? Nope. That'll be, when, I, when I go, it goes with me. You know, if I could download myself into a machine, I would always boot up with me going. Boo. <laughs> See, I would have to pour water on you. <laughs> it worked on the Wicked Witch of the West. It'll work on this day. <laughs> Yeah, it'll always work on a machine, right? It'll always work on a machine because they have figured out a way to waterproof none of that stuff. So, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. No, the future is here and it's scary. <laughs> Listen, Harry, I saw they opened up a clinic that you walk in and it's you 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 walk in and it screens and you talk to the doctor virtually. There's no doctor really there downtown well urgent care you walk in and you 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 know i was like this yeah but you know um i think it was like 20 years ago on the oprah program that i saw when they first came up with the full body um scan Uh uh-huh that could tell you right away um what you have whether you have cancer anything you know And and that was that technology was like, oh, this is gonna be the new technology that'll help us live longer. And you you've never seen that offered to anybody on any no. You know why? Because <laughs> that cuts into treating and medication. Yeah, and... it's preventive care, right? Yeah. If you if you know, you know. what to tell you 20 <laughs> years from now. I yeah. mean, so yeah, so I'm not convinced that anything really is there to assist us you know have a better and and lengthy life because that would be an option for everybody just as a matter of fact you should just be able to walk into the office through the scan as your appointment walk through the scan and then when you sit down with your doctor look at the scan yeah right Oh, now I would like that because then that would save me a lot of time. It would save well, it would save a lot of lives too. It I think that's the problem. They're like, this is what you have. You have this, 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 this. How would you like to treat it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's where I want medicine to go. I want that, Harry, to walk through a skin and be like, but that's real Star Trek. Battlestar Galactica kind of stuff. Yeah, but the thing is, is that it's such old technology. We learned about it when Oprah did it. I know. Twenty, like twenty years I ago. I know. I know. See where the blocked arteries are, where the problem areas are. Everything. You know, I like that. That would save. That would save a lot of lives. Yeah. All right.
Hopefully. All right, we have to take a break, but we'll be back with uh, Jeffrey Page, Harry from uh, Ain't Misbehaving. Okay, who was talking? I hear them talking about the Cherry Blossom right. Festival. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Love Bad's Love Talk on WNHH LP 103.5 FM, your home for community radio. We'll be right back. Look for that link. <laughs>
my, I gotta get a grip, cause I can't keep living like this. First is this, then it's that, you leave, then you come back.
welcome back to the second hour of Love Babs Love Talk on Babs Rolls Ivy. Uh, I just heard from uh, uh, Mr. Page. He is running a little bit late, so he's on his way. He'll be in in a few minutes. So that gives me time to talk about him. <laughs> that way I don't have to do it while he's here. So when he gets in, we can just start the conversation. So anyway, uh, you know, Jeffrey Page is an Emmy Award nom- Emmy Award nominated director and choreographer. And he spearheaded the 2015 and 2018 Tokyo productions of Musical Memphis, which received four Yamiri Award nominations, including Best Musical. He's the first African-American to be named the Marcus Institute Fellow for Opera Directing at the Juilliard School. He won an MTV Video Music Award for his work with Beyonce, yes, whose creative team have included him for for more than 12 years. His work was featured on Beyonce's The Formation World Tour in her historic Coachella Valley Music and Arts Festival performance and in two of her HBO specials. Mr. Page was the Associate Creative Director for Mariah Carey's Sweet Sweet Fantasy European Tour and has been a featured choreographer on the Fox television So You Think You Can Dance. He currently is a creative director for singer-songwriter Jasmine Sullivan, most recently working with her on her 2020 BET Soul Train Music Awards. Mr. Page was in the original award-winning Broadway cast of Fila, and I saw Fila. It was a birthday present for my friend Ron Thomas. It was an amazing show. I loved every minute of it. I became a huge fan of Afro beats uh, because of it. He worked alongside Tony Award-winning composer uh, Janine Tesori to choreograph the hit Broadway musical Violet, starring Sutton Foster, Roundabout Theater Company. And Page was acknowledged by the Berkshire Theater Awards for his work at Barrington Stage Company's Company and Broadway Bounty Hunter. In 2016, he established Move-In Legacy as an Indianapolis-based nonprofit organization dedicated to the uh, ethnology and documentation of contemporary and traditional dance from Africa and the African diaspora. Jeffrey holds an MFA degree with a concentration in theater theater directing from Columbia University in New York City and serves as a lecturer at Harvard University and the Juilliard School. In 2019, he was awarded the Chuck Davis Emerging Choreographer Fellowship from the Brooklyn Academy of Music. And currently, as co-director and choreographer, he is working with Diane Paulus and the American Repertory Theater at Harvard University to mount the Broadway revival of 1776. Hello, Mr. Page. Lovely to see you. Let me unmute. How are you? Good morning. I'm good. Give me one second. Let me just... I'm good. How are you? You are busy. <laughs> I'm very busy. I'm very busy. You are busy. You, you, you got that right. <laughs> so, ain't misbehaving. I know this. I know this play. I've seen this play in all, all, all over different kinds of places. So, what brought you to it? Um. So, uh, 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 about a year ago, Julie Boyd uh, from Barrington Stage reached out to me and asked me uh, while I was riding my bike in New York if I would be interested in in um, in coming on board and in, in building a misbehaving a, a new kind of version of a Amos- I lost your your uh, sound pieces of, of theater. Can, can you hear me now? Yes. Hello. 
Okay. I hear you. A Misbehaving Misbehaving is one of my favorite uh, um, musicals. Um, I grew up to it. I used to fall asleep uh, uh, in Indianapolis, Indiana, when I was a little boy to A Misbehaving. And so, uh, and to her request of me uh, uh, building a new production of it, I... I completely was enthralled and said yes. So that took me on this in, in this entire journey of like discovering uh, what what this musical meant for me in this particular era. What it meant, uh, what it meant for me as a black man. What it meant for me uh, um, in in twenty twenty three. Um, in 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 and a rediscovery, if you will, of Fats Waller. And so uh, we go from Barrington Stays to Jiva Performing Arts Center uh, in Rochester. And, the, and now finally, we are at the, 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 the great Westport Country Playhouse where we opened uh, just a few nights ago. So I'm, I'm really, really pleased. And it's getting good reviews. Like people, people are really uh, love it. Do you think it's because of the, I mean, I see the pictures of it. Uh, it's stunningly beautiful, right? You got all this high music. It's, you're a choreographer, so you, there's some element of dance to this. So it's exciting. So there's movement, there's music. It's a fascinating story. I mean, what else could you not love about it? Yeah, so I, I was I was completely shocked, actually, when I opened up the New York Times and I saw that Jesse Green had given it uh, uh, the New York Times critics pick. So it's definitely getting good reviews. Um, it's it's a it's it's bringing the joy it's bringing the joy uh, um, of of who Fats Waller was and, and 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 how his music represented joy, but also how his music represented something uh, something a little more uh, uh, in terms of uh, political political engagement, in terms of you know um, being oneself. Um, and I think people feel that inside of it. So I have I have five amazing performers. Um, I got some a, a beautiful design team together, um, and I think that's what people are responding to. So now, do you do you take great care when you when you take a story like Eight Misbehaving that is that 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 has a great deal of success in its history? Do you do you mess with it? Do you you know what I mean? Like, do you tinker with it? Do you do you add some of your own magic to it? Is there room for you to do that? I think if you don't mess with it, it turns in, into a museum piece. If you if 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 I think and and I think the only time that you do mess with it is when spirit uh, um, moves you to do so. Um, uh, I think I think that. I think that uh, the piece in, in 1977 was beautiful um, uh, the way it was, but I think there's something there's something uh, about uh, where we are now uh, that that makes the stories that are uh, kind of inherent inside of that that score um, uh, powerful. And so uh, I have decided to mess with it, and I am a mess with it kind of person. Um, <laughs> Uh, it's interesting. I, I direct a lot of shows in Japan, and you have uh, a lot of shows in uh, in Japan that are kind of um, uh, mimicry shows or replica. They call them replica shows, um, and they never hire me to do replica shows. They always hire me to like recreate 
uh, redevelop, uh, reconceptualize a work. And so that's that's exactly what I did with Amos Behaving uh, here at Westport Country Playhouse. So talk to me about, you know, if you're in Japan, you, you're clearly not Japanese, but I don't know, you could be Japanese. Um, and, and then you're here and you're you're. I clearly see you're a black man. How do you how do you bridge those worlds? Does does race is centered in these in these productions, or do you do you uh, do you say you know what I'm a I'm gonna leave my blackness at the door? Like how do you how do you jump between these two two worlds? You know, for for however you you want to take this, I, I I can never leave my blackness at the door. You know, it, it comes with me. Uh, my skin, my my experiences, uh, my mind, my spirit, my hair, my lips, my nose—they all come with me. And so, no, I don't leave them at the door. I bring I bring the fullness of who I am, and I think that's why that's why I work so much in Japan is because um, number one, I'm I'm interested in bringing who I am to the table, and in me bringing who I am to the table, it makes room it makes room for people to see. Uh, a kind of poetry, if you will, um, of, in, in, of ways that they can also uh, be who they are. So I think, I think, I think uh, being exclusive is actually not really being exclusive. Being exclusive is actually making room for people to to find their own way as well, and and it will form a greater and stronger community. So so when I when I do work in in Japan, I most definitely uh, bring bring my full self to the table. Um, now that's not to say that I don't do research in terms of in terms of what uh, you know. What are, what are the current events that are happening in Japan and in Africa and Senegal, Nigeria, and so on and so forth? Um, uh, but I also bring myself and how and how I respond to those current events to the table. Mm. So so you so you're doing this. You're doing ain't misbehaving, which is its own uh, uh, piece of work. It stands the test of time. Uh, but do you ever get to? And I know you've done this. Uh, create new works that no one has ever seen before. No one has ever created before. It's yours, and you put it out there. And 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 do you like that better? Is or is there a question about better? I don't think that I don't think it's it's about being better. I think it's it's just different. It's just you know I think I think with older works, um, I think. There's always three things that you that you deal with with older words. You you deal with um, the setting, you know, the time and the place that the actual work is set. So, for instance, the name misbehaving. It was set in the jazz era of the 1920s and 30s. Um, but then, what people don't fully realize is that you're also dealing with when that when that piece was created. So you're dealing with 1977. You know, and and what happened? So so what so what is 1977? That, that's uh, Reaganomics. That's uh, war on drugs. That is we're 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 coming off of the tail end of the Vietnam War, so on and so so on and so forth. And then lastly, you're dealing with where you are right now. So I always deal with those three things. And I and and with older works, I can I can like plunge fully into those three things. With newer works, it's a little different. With newer works, you're creating a world, 
you're creating a world from scratch. And so, uh, and so instead of a, instead of a, um, a form or a shape already being built, um, you are building the shape. With older works, you are, you are maneuvering a shape that has been there. With the newer work, you are building a shape. So it's important that, 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 uh, that, that kind of collaboration between the writer and, and director and the other uh, collaborators on the team is really strong because you're you're building a new world. If that makes any sense, it makes uh, it makes a lot of sense. So talk to me about you know you as a choreographer. I mean you're directing and a choreographer, and I imagine you're still performing too. Like you're still dancing and doing stuff and other things. How, how it's you, it's been it's work? been a while since I got on it's been a while since I got on stage, but I I I think I would still love it if I did get on stage. But I think I much prefer I much prefer uh, being in front of a canvas with this uh, metaphor paintbrush, if you will. Um, now you could also be on stage with a metaphor paintbrush, um, but I but I much prefer uh, the collaborative experience of of you know, directing and choreographing and shaping work. It's interesting being a choreographer alone. Uh, it, it means that it means that you don't you, you're not able to bring your full vision to the table because you are you are you know one of the the members of of a collaboration team, and so everything everything is predicated on you know, of course, the, the writing and the directing and, and so on and so forth. Well, I think I've reached that place in my life where where I'm, I'm ready to create signatures and, 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 and footprints on my own. Doesn't mean that I, I want to stop choreographing uh, for other people, but I think, I think I'm at a place where I really love what it means to, to to uh art to, to to be the architect of my own signature mm -hmm. so so i read that you've done some work for the queen bee beyonce <laughs> yes and, and you've done done work for uh the fabulously talented mariah carey and now you are working with uh jasmine sullivan so I mean, you—that's three very powerful women. <laughs> yeah, I—I think—I think I surround myself with powerful women. I love it. So, uh, and so, just it backing up in, in terms of you—you uh, you become the choreographer and you have to sort of uh, support their vision. T talk a little bit of what that's like to sort of do that. Hmm. With you know, it's interesting. I, I kind of. If, if you want to really go way back, we can go back to, to Debbie Allen. Oh, my um, gosh. Where, where um, um, I performed in a couple of her productions and uh, watching her work was 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 beyond uh, beyond an experience for me. Um, I remember going up to her uh, when I was uh a young, a youngin into this, and I said, "Miss Allen, would you mind if I sit and, and watch you work?" Like because I was a member of the chorus, which means the rehearsals are staggered, which means uh, a principal is called, and I'm probably not called into rehearsal. 
And so I I went up to her and I said, Miss Allen, would you mind if I if I um watched you work with with uh with other people? I'll, you know, just sit in the corner and, and just watch. Um, she said, of course. So I would I would come into rehearsal, you know, however early, however late rehearsal was, I would come in and just sit and watch. And I think that really prepared me uh, for going into uh, working with people like Fatima Robinson, who's of course the great choreographer in, in Hollywood, who uh, who I, I've assisted for years and years and years, to ultimately going and working with, with Beyonce for about 14 years. And with Beyonce, it was a, a deep collaboration of, of trying to figure out what what was she getting at? How could I be a uh, how could I be an instrument in helping her to propel her 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 brand, her art forward? Um, and and that was I think that was a big learning experience. I think I went to the school of of Beyonce. I went to the school of of Beyonce and learning what it meant, what it meant to be an artist, and what it meant to uh, to to situate yourself uh, very deeply into into art. Um, um, uh, so Beyonce was a great experience. Mariah Carey is the same. Was a great experience. Jasmine Sullivan um, was was a bit younger. Was a lot younger. Um, so so that kind that collaboration was a little bit different. Where, uh, where I was the one kind of guiding Jasmine, but also helping to, to, to figure out what she wanted to do, what she wanted to be, which was a great, uh, which was a great experience. Um, I think all of these women, again, are powerful, powerful women. I think it shaped uh, um, where my career would actual, actual, uh, eventually lead to um, uh, in choreographing Violet on Broadway and you know my my career uh, on Phelan on Broadway and, and so on and so forth. So so working with powerful women, I think I think you you hit the nail on the head. Working with powerful women is is a joy. Um, I learn. Um, I, I start to understand. Uh, um, I start to understand something bigger and deeper than myself. So it's 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 something that I love. Mm. I saw you in Fila. I saw it on Broadway. It was a birthday ah, present. Yes, I, I I absolutely loved, loved, loved it. Like I loved it. I mean, I loved it. So it was a wonderful. That that oh was, my God. was quite what, exciting. What 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 uh what struck you the most about that? I I think because I did not know I did not know the story of Afro beats. Like I didn't know that story. I didn't know that music that well and the influences. Um. I, I love the Africanness of it in in bringing it to uh it bringing it right to uh uh to uh to the United States in a way that we've never seen it. I mean, Fela was very sexy. He was very controversial. He was very talented. Um, you know, he paid attention to James Brown. I mean, you know what I mean? Like he 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 was a very interesting. I think often misunderstood and maybe misguided sort of soul, but. He was hella talented and uh and I just I just love I loved all the uh um the the Africanness of it, the the way that we we talk about death, you know, the way that uh um um that we are uh, how women were centered in this story in an interesting way. 
Yeah, I was just about to say that he was also guided by by really powerful women. You know, of course, first and foremost was his mother, Fumilayo. Yes. Uh, and then and then uh, Sandra Isidora, who's who, uh, actually a good friend of mine. He was guided by some really powerful uh, and smart women. Yes. Yeah. So, so, so I, I, I applaud you in that. That was, that was amazing. So, so, uh, you know, this last season, Broadway is very black. D- did you ever think that you would see it that black in your lifetime? I mean, it was very black. I mean, it was like every theater had some black production. <laughs> I, 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 I don't think that I would ever, uh, um, I, I I don't think that I would I would ever see Broadway as black as it is right now. But I question I question whether whether or not this is this is a passing phase. I hope it's not a passing phase. I question whether this is a thing just to uh, just to pacify um, um, uh, these these uh, yells for uh, for equality and, and equity and inclusion. Hope is not simply a, a pacifier. I hope that I hope that there there's real foundation that that is being uh, laid inside of not only Broadway but but entertainment in general. Um, but yeah, it, it is black. It, but it, it, you know, it, it it scares me because it became really really black directly after you know um, the protest of George Floyd and so on and so forth. So it just makes me wonder uh, if this is actually going to last and I hope that it does. I hope that it does, but I think that it I think I think that it means that uh, producers uh, and investors and audiences, um, uh, need to have a, a, a much more open mind about the things that they are ready to uh, to, to put their uh, attention on um, and put their money inside of. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, and so, more to this. Um, so, when you do something like an ain't misbehaving that that has a tried and true history connected to it, um, and you bring it to like you're bringing it to Westport. It's it's here in Westport, Connecticut. Um, that that's not a black theater. It's not a black theater, um, um, <laughs> but that's fine. It doesn't have to be a black theater. Um, folks can enjoy this this beautiful play and music just like anybody else. So, um, does that guide you? Um, does that guide you in in the kinds of projects that you take on? Like, if somebody calls you up and says, "You know what, Jeffrey? This, that, and the other thing." How hard and long do you think about the quality? and the motivation for why they, they want you to do this? I, I definitely think a lot about that. And, and I think with, with Westport, it, it, it helped me to, it helped me to develop the show. Like that was, that was kind of the, the momentum that helped me to de- develop the show. Like what kind of story do I want to tell? Um, not only uh, a story that will make black people feel seen, um, and visible and a part of and a part of the equation, but but also what kind of story would I want to tell uh, that 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 is pretty much for a white audience? What do I have to say as a black man that I want for white folks to to understand in a different kind of way? And so this the story is a hard hitting story because Fats Waller lived a a, a tragic 
um, beautiful and full life. He died very young, but he was, you know, he was called the clown. He was called the comedian. He was, he wore the mask, you know, uh, and, and I'm referring to the poem uh, by Paul mm-hmm. Lawrence Dunbar. We wear the mask that grins and lies. It hides the cheeks and shades and shades the eyes. Um, and so that's the mask that I'm speaking about. And so Fats Waller wore that mask, but he wore that mask because of the white gaze. And so the same white gaze that that's sitting at Westport every single night to watch this show, you know, um, hopefully uh, black people, black experiences, and black inventions uh, can stand stand a chance to be to be uh, seen and felt in a different way. Um, uh, and I hope that black people who come um, are restored and re-energized by this production. So it's, it's taken on two, 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 uh, two very hefty weights upon its shoulders. Mm-hmm. And um, do, you, do you feel uniquely challenged to uphold that weight? I mean, do you ever feel like, man, I wish I could just exhale with this? Or do you feel some responsibility to ensure that the weight of this does not wear you down. Like, you know what I mean? Like, do you have opportunity to just uh, not consider the weight of these things? No, no. Um, I, 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 I take on, I take on that responsibility with, with, uh, with pride. I, you know, I, it's interesting. Um, I'm just coming from a yoga class, you know, so I, so I have to like, I have to like really center myself. I have to like take time for myself um, because I know I, I have been a victim of, of, of rocks and arrows and daggers because I have taken on such a position. Um, in 1776, I've taken on a position like this. Um, and I think there's no difference uh, in what I did with Lady Day um, at Emerson's Bar and Grill in Philadelphia uh, that's currently playing in Philadelphia right now with Aim Misbehaving. It's very, it's, it's, the, it's the same thing. I, I think I take that responsibility on knowing and I think it would be irresponsible of me to act as if uh, that, that weight were, were, not, uh, were not important and essential. And that I didn't need to uphold that way with the sense of with the sense of urgency and gravitas. Mm. I so appreciate you taking the time to talk to me today, Mr. Page. I am Thank a fan you. of your work. Uh, a Misbehaving is at the Westport Country Playhouse, April 11th through the 29th. So you can go and see uh, uh, the story of Fats Waller, the the music uh, of uh, the legendary jazz great. Uh, go and see this play. It's a if you've never seen it, you're in for a real treat. So thank yeah, you, and I, and, and I And I guarantee uh, you will be shouting and crying <laughs> and laughing uh, until your belly hurts in the seat. So please come and see. Thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your day. Namaste. <laughs> Namaste. Thank you so much. Peace. All right. Take good care. All right. All right. Okay, so- you too. Y'all go, you can go to the uh, westportplayhouse.org, get your tickets. You really should go see this this wonderful play and go see the fine work of uh, Mr. Jeffrey Page. Um, I mean, this is, 
This is Broadway world-class theater right here. If you want to see a production, go see this. Um, Ain't misbehaving. Um, you got until the 29th of this month, baby. So go get your tickets. The music of the legendary jazz great Fats Waller. Toe tapping. Toe tapping. So go. Uh, thank you, Harry, for another, uh, for, for a great Monday. Imagine. <laughs> That's the word of the day. I tell you, Paul will be back on these streets tomorrow for word on the street. And uh, y'all be safe out here. I'll see y'all later. Bye now. <laughs> Hi, this is Babs Rolls Ivy from New Haven, Connecticut, and you're listening to WNHHLP 103.5 FM, streaming live at newhavenindependent.org.
slowly enters in and then it crawls you apart Spark your flame until your fire explodes 